You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, pardon the interruption, but just a quick message from me to let you know about the leadership survey we have just placed on the website. Here at The Great Coaches, we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, but we have gone back to the transcripts of the more than 200 great coaches we've interviewed to identify their key leadership traits. We've then created a survey of 20 questions to help you compare your leadership style to theirs. It's free, only takes a few minutes to complete, and should help you find areas of relative strength and weakness. If you'd like to know more, check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues, and our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Jeff Trailer. Jeff is an American football coach. He started his coaching career in 1989 as a high school assistant coach. He would eventually return to be the head coach at his own high school, Gilmer High, and would go on to lead them to three state titles. His impact at the school was so profound that they would eventually name the stadium after him. He then took assistant positions at the University of Texas, Southern Methodist University and the University of Arkansas, before being appointed as head coach at the University of Texas at San Antonio in 2020. In his first season, he led them to the best start in the school's history, winning their first 11 regular season games. They would eventually go on to win their first conference championship, a feat they achieved again in 2022. Of the 150-plus interviews we've ever done, this one is one of my favourites. Jeff has great authenticity and some unique ideas about building culture and high performance. Some of the many key highlights from me from this interview were how the great coaches are self-aware enough to know where they are great and where they are not, and they hire people to take the place where they're weak. The wonderful way he started with his new team and won their confidence by listening and working with their ideas on how to improve the team. How his history as a teacher and coach has taught him about the power of hands-on learning and how he tries to fire himself from his jobs and hand the responsibility over to his support staff. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and would like to learn more, you can head over to our website, 
thegreatcoachespodcast.com, where we offer exclusive video and podcast content for subscribers that is taken from the more than 150 interviews we've done with some of the world's great coaches. The content is downloadable, shareable, and designed to start a conversation around the dinner table, locker room, or boardroom table. And now, please enjoy our interview with Jeff Trailer. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Coach Trailer, good morning, or rather, good afternoon, your time, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate it. Look forward to it. Well, I'm going to start off with something really simple. Can you tell us where you are in the world and what you've been up to so far today? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm head coach at UTSA, obviously, going on year four. And uh, today, uh, got four official visitors coming in tonight. So we'll have three D linemen and uh, an O lineman in here. So we'll be recruiting this weekend and uh, pretty much since – the bowl season's been over. We've had visitors on campus every single weekend. It's with a transfer portal in IL. It's just, it's you're, you're recruiting all the time now. So we're going to talk about recruiting because I know how important it is to you, but I'd like to go on a bit of a journey actually before we get there. And I want to start by just asking about a couple of the great coaches you've worked with. I know there's Charlie Strong and there's Chad Morris, and I'm sure there's been a pile others that you've seen from the other side of the pitch or the other side of the field, as you call it in America. But Coach Trailer, I'm wondering, what do you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Um, I don't think there's a cookie cutter, Paul. I think there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, I'm going to say something that is quite obvious. They've all got a great quarterback. That's that's where it starts. You gotta You got to have a great quarterback. And from there, um, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And uh, obviously, a head coach's job is to have the best players. And whoever has the best players has the best chance to win the game. So what does that mean, the best players? Well, you got to identify them. Then you got to recruit them. But the piece that doesn't get talked about the most, to me, is the developmental phase. We all spend so much time talking about he's a two-star, a three-star. Well, what is he when he leaves you? I mean, when he leaves you, what is he? That's your job. You've got four to five years to change the young man to help him. And uh, that developmental piece, however you get that done. And like I said, when you first asked the question, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. But uh, whether that's you're really good at X's and O's, whether that's you're really good with developing the soul, whether that means you're really good at developing the body, uh, whatever that looks like uh, for you, and the great ones know where they're great. Uh, they know where they're weak. And they hire the guys to take the place of where they're weak. And they try to stay in their fast lane where they're strong, uh, in my opinion, Paul. I want to talk about this idea of developing people because you've got a, a both an undergrad and a graduate degree in education. So clearly teaching is, is, is really something that's important to you. But knowing what you know now... 30 years down the track, or maybe even longer since you first started coaching when you were 21, I'm wondering, what is it you wish they had taught you back then that you had to learn the hard way? More hands-on, too much book stuff, too much teachers talking. Uh, you know, there's, there's a thing we do called, you know, student teaching, where you, you basically, your last semester of college, you follow a mentor around for a whole semester. 
And I don't know why you wouldn't do that all eight semesters. I don't know why you wouldn't have, you know, when you're in college, one of your classes be you're going to follow this coach the entire semester. And that's the best way to still learn is hands-on. I love to read and I love to listen. That's why we're doing this podcast right now. I love this kind of interaction. But there's nothing better than getting out there and doing it. If you got a mentor with you, it just helps. So where I really learned to coach was not in college, of course. It was coaching. And where I got blessed, Paul, uh, I worked for two men that were great mentors of mine. Um, you know, I, I, Danny Long hired me at Jacksonville, and he was wonderful to me. And a man by the name of Matt Turner, who still coaches with me to this day. And there's another man on that staff named Wayne Coleman. Uh, those three people just really looked out for me. They saw what I could become, and they poured into me and uh, and got everything out of me. I always wonder, Paul, what would have happened to me if I never would have found those three people. So if I could go back and I could teach people how to teach them to coach, I would say interns, mentors, whatever you want to call it, student teaching as much as you can. Get them out of the classroom and get them on the field. Get them on the court. Get them on the golf range. Whatever they want to coach, get them out there and uh, let them find somebody that can they can learn from. I want to pick up on this theme of learning because in your career, of course, you you go back to your high school where you become the head coach and you go on this amazing run and eventually the stadium is named after you. But that's not what I want to ask you about. I've got this great quote from you actually from your time at Gilmer, and you say. I fired myself from being the play caller. I was done. I became a head coach and got involved in defense and got involved in special teams. I got less involved in my offense, and that was really a leadership decision I made. So it's a great little learning, and I'd like to dig into it a bit if we could, and I'm really keen to know, was there an event or a person that helped you enact or cause this change? You know, it was just kind of an evolution. Uh, of myself and my program, honestly. Uh, I had a basketball background. Nobody's coming to the games at Gilmer. We were not any good. And I, even as a basketball coach, my teams that didn't win, we scored points. So we always had people come to the games we scored points. People would rather see you lose 97 to 77 than they would 37 to 17 uh, in basketball, obviously. So I took the same philosophy in football when I got to Gilmer. We were going to score points, and we did a lot. And we won a lot of games, too, but we gave up a lot of points, too. And um, we weren't as good on special teams. And I've found that every job I've fired myself from, and I delegated that job to somebody and gave them a clear job description and then supported them and got out of their way, uh, my teams got better. So – uh, I tried to fire myself from as many jobs as I possibly could and uh, I poured into uh, my coaches, my coordinators, and my players. And those meetings are more important now, obviously, because you want your offense to still be what you want. Uh, but by not having to call every play, uh, I could pay way more attention to my defensive coordinator, my special teams coordinator, strength development, the soul, the mind, uh, nutrition, there's just so many more aspects to a student athlete 
than just somebody calling the plays. And I'm not putting down the guys that do it. I mean, obviously there's a lot of great head coaches that still call plays. It's just not the way I do it anymore. I'm involved in all of it, Paul. And there's certain times in there I'll tell them what I want. But as a general rule, I'm letting my three coordinators make those calls. One thing that fascinates me about American football is the size of the teams are just so big. And that's without all the other stakeholders I imagine you have to you have to interact with, the sponsors, the school leadership council. How do you go about renewing your own energy as a leader to make sure that you're on task every day? Yeah, I'm actually reading a book right now called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's got me pretty convicted that I don't know if I'll be able to keep this pace up if I don't watch out. And, um, you know, I'm a big journaler, big quiet time guy. Uh, I'm, I try to read, you know, I not try, I read every day. Uh, I'm going to do my quiet time early in the morning. And before I go to bed, I'm going to try to hit it again. And uh, then if I can, during my workout, I'm going to try to listen to some, some type of spiritual uh, podcast or maybe a pastor or maybe a book just to try to get my mind in a, in a good space, Paul, because I have a wife of 31 years. I've got three children. Uh, Carrie and I were married, both graduated from Stephen F. Austin State University. I've got a son, Jordan, that's 29, who coaches for the New Orleans Saints. I've got a 26-year-old son, Jake, that lives in Manhattan and works for NBC. And I've got a daughter named Jason that's 23, and she lives in Manhattan, and she works for NBC. So, um, you know, I want to be good to them. And uh, that's just this job takes a lot of my time. So uh, I've got to just push away and remind myself many, many nights that I'm not God. Uh, uh, and I've got to trust people to do their jobs and trust my kids to do their jobs. But it's, it's very hard uh, because you want to do your best and you feel like if you're not working 24, 7, 365. Somebody's getting ahead of you. But if you're not at your very best, then what, what good is it? So I'm really trying to stay fresh and take care of my coaches and my players and hopefully be a good mother, I mean, a good wa- husband to my wife and a good father to my children. There's a, another aspect of your story that caught my eye. And you go from being this legendary coach in a small town where you, obviously you must have known everybody or everybody knew you. And then – you take assistant roles. And I know they're at university level. You go to Texas, you go to the Southern Methodist University, you go to the University of Arkansas, but they're assistant roles. And you just mentioned then that you're a journaler. And I'm wondering, what did you learn about yourself when you went from being the top of the, the pyramid, the head coach, to having to take a, a secondary role? Yeah, that's a great, super question. That's what I struggle with the most. And I am glad I journal. Like I literally, every time I journal, I journal once a week. And I summarize the week. And uh, so each week I do that, I always go back and look exactly where I was the year before, the year before that, year before that. Year. I go five years every time. Because it's so eerie how you're kind of in the same pattern uh, of the season and your thoughts and maybe even your emotions. That's been comforting to me to know, you know what, I've been through this. I've, I've done this before. But the part that I struggle with the most, Paul, is when you're, when you're an assistant, uh, you only make recommendations. You don't make decisions. And when you're a head coach, all you do is make decisions. And I've been a head coach for 15 seasons. 
So for 15 seasons, I had made all the decisions. And for the next five years as an assistant, I had to go backwards again and just make suggestions. And nothing against Charlie or Chad. They made a lot of great decisions. But, you know, I was used to being the one that made the decision. I wasn't used to having to ask somebody if I could do something. And that was the hardest part for me, Paul. How did you deal with it? I hope they tell you I was good. I don't know. I'd have to ask Chad and Charlie. Um, I'm sure they sense my frustration at times. I'm pretty opinionated, strong-willed, but I also know that the heartbeat of an assistant, you know, you should be a servant and, and take care of your head coach and make him look as good as possible. And I hope they would say that. Well, you go on from there. Clearly you, you have a, a successful period because you end up at UTSA as the head coach. And in that first season, you go 7-5. You had a winning season. And the program, you know, was in turnaround when you got there. But it's in your second year when the magic really started to happen and you have the best start in the program's history. You win your first 11 games. Coach Trailer, I'm keen to understand what were the first things you did when you look back in your journal? What were the big rocks you put in place that drove that result? It was the first meeting. Uh, 68 players showed up. I was very uh, honest with them. You know, they didn't pick me. You know, I chose them. So it was my job to win them over. I know other guys do it differently. There are a lot of head coaches that come in to blow the whole thing up. Uh, I just didn't think that was right for a student athlete. Uh, so uh, I told them to set up a meeting with my assistant and uh, an individual meeting, and I, they had a homework assignment to bring me three things they loved about the program and three things they wanted changed about the program. And uh, obviously, I brought them all in. They all showed up, all 68 of them. And I took notes. And uh, the things they loved, I tried my best to keep the same for those guys. And the things they wanted changed, uh, we went to work. And um, I think immediately they bought in and knew I was a guy that's going to listen and cared for them. And, uh, you know, we installed our 210 Triangle of Toughness culture, our pillars, our brand. And uh, our kids have really bought into that. It's a player's game, Paul. And I've got really good players that believe in me, and they're the ones that get it done. You say it's a player's game, but I can see that stadium in the virtual background behind you. And you filled that stadium. And I know that you went down to the university and were handing out I read pizzas and cookies to try and get people in there. So I get that it's a player's game, but I think at a place like UTSA, it's also the community's game. Yeah, we've really been intentional about that, Paul. We wanted to not only be the football team of UTSA, we want to be the football team of San Antonio. We've only got, you know, our basketball team here, the Spurs. We just got Wimby, so we're all fired up about that. Um, but there's no, you know, there's there's uh, football in the spring sometimes with XFL, but there's really not like a football team here other than us. There's UIW, obviously, in Trinity, two other colleges that are in our town. But we wanted to be – the football team of San Antonio. And we worked hard at that. And if it's passing out, you know, tacos or donuts or cookies or pizza, whatever it might take for me to get on the campus and uh, just try to invite people to the game. And uh, we've really been successful at getting that Alamo Dome rocking. It's, there's no other place like it in the country. I mean, it's people accuse us of piping in noise and it's just garbage. I work for a, a woman in Dr. Compost that, there's no part of Lisa Compost that would 
do something like that. So uh, it's all natural. We just have a – it's almost soccer-like. I heard you say pitch a while ago. It's, it's, yeah. it's like our community loves our football team almost like uh, a European team would be loved. It's just crazy the love they have for our players. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Professor Eric Knight, the Executive Dean of the Macquarie Business School, and he's just stepped out of the classroom. So, Eric, what kind of leadership skills do you help people develop here at the business school? I think the measure of a great team is whether a team is having the kinds of conversations they need to have in the organisation. And so when we try to develop the leaders of those teams, we want them not only to know how to identify the issues that the team needs to talk about, but also how to have the conversation so that people feel comfortable and focused on the key issues that matter. Thanks, Eric. The master's programs at the Macquarie Business School, designed to empower you, challenge you, and transform the way you think. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You mentioned just a just a minute ago the the core pillars of your philosophy. I've got them here. There's integrity, passion, mental and physical toughness, selflessness, and the perfect effort. How does your players, or rather, how do your players experience these pillars in any given week? Well, they'll be back Tuesday in our first team meeting. Our first culture pillar is integrity. So I will walk in the meeting. Everybody will sit up with their notes out. I will say the word integrity and they'll scream back to me all at once. Win the day. That's really our main culture pillars to win the day. This would be the best we could be every day. So then I'm going to do a 10 to 15 minute presentation on what integrity means to me. Uh, we'll break up from that team meeting. Our special teams coordinator will speak on integrity. We'll break up into offense and defense. The offense and defense coordinator will speak on integrity. Uh, then we'll break into players position meetings and there'll be a player from each group speak on integrity. Then at the end of practice, another player will speak on integrity. We do that every day, the whole week. So then the next week we go to passion. So that's the second culture pillar. So I'll walk in the team room. I'll say passion. They'll scream back when the day and uh, I'll teach on passion for 10 or 15 minutes. And then not to bore you, but we'll follow that exact same plan on passion we work our way through every culture pillar and we just try to, and I'll tell you what else we do a good job of Paul's holding those kids accountable. We vote our single digit guys are the guys that best represent our culture pillars. And the guys that were the two, the one and the zero are the ones that had the most votes. And uh, so we do do a really good job of holding them accountable. Well, what I would say, Paul is every coach in the country has words on a wall. Uh, we challenge our kids to not have words on a wall, but words in our hearts. And uh, we, we really want, you know, our heart to be shown 
you know, through our words instead of just having every coach has got culture builders, Paul. It's not like I invented this. Everybody's got them. You know, if I've only interviewed three uh, American football coaches, but one of them was the great Bill Snyder, and he did exactly the same thing. And I've interviewed 150 coaches from around the world, and it's only you and Bill that I've ever heard that has done that. It's 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 fascinating. It's different, but I can see how it really challenges people to think about these values. Well, Bill had a huge impact on my life from a distance. I had a lot of players play for Bob Stoops, and you know Bob has a tremendous connection to all those guys and that staff. And I would always go to Oklahoma to watch Bob and his because I had great players and so he took care of us. And um, I would always hear those guys speak, those coordinators, you know, and there was always some connection to Bill Snyder or somebody had him come to speak. And, I, you know, it was a huge, you know, those two guys, I, I really watched Coach Stoops the way he did it at Oklahoma and the way Bill Snyder did it at K-State. I thought they were as good with their culture as anybody. And, um taking a lot of things from both those men. I've, I say all the time, I've never had an original uh, idea in my life. I think I've stolen every good idea I've ever had, Paul. You're not alone there. Don't worry about that. Jeff, the fifth pillar is perfect effort. And it. I, I really like this one because I've got it also a quote from you that I want to match with it. You say, I've never coached a perfect game. I've never had a kid play a perfect game but we can always give perfect effort. I wanted to ask you, why is this focus on perfect effort over perfection important to you? You know, I think it was the way I was raised. Uh, I was raised, uh, my mom and dad were very Southern Baptist. Uh, it's pretty judgmental. Uh, you know, I can remember growing up thinking, you know, I looked at a woman wrong or I said a cuss word, I was going to burn in hell, you know, and I just remember the pressure of that feeling every day. And, uh, and then I got around some wonderful men that taught me about God's grace. And, uh, I just said, you know, I, I wonder if I could coach that way with the, you know, that being more of my mindset. And then I was a basketball coach for 10 years and studied John Wooden like crazy. And, uh, John Wooden was a great teacher, by the way. And, uh, he never talked about winning and losing. It was always about trusting the process and doing your very best and, he won 10 national championships, so I thought, you know, he never talked about winning and losing. He he was a teacher. I remember in his books, he'd, he would say, you know, that anybody that's on the sideline going all crazy during the game, it makes him wonder what they do all week during practice. And that really struck me, like, why am I coaching so crazy during the game? Why am I not more relaxed during the game? Because I obviously haven't coached very well during the week. So it was just probably the way I was raised, getting around some men that, saw the game similar to me and I, I dove into it more than even my mentors did and still have. I get, you know, I don't want to say chastised, but challenged maybe by media, even some of my own coaches like, coach, don't you think we should? No, my kids know the objective, the objective is to win the game. We don't have to remind them. I don't want them to be on the free throw line, Paul, thinking, oh my gosh, if I make this one and one, we're going to win the championship. I wanted to be at the free throw line thinking, you know what? My coach told me to knees, feet, shot, follow through. Whatever your technique is, you teach. I want them to shoot the best shot they can. And if they do, it's a win. Whether it goes in or not, we did our best. And uh, 
something I believe strongly in. I think it's alleviated a lot of pressure for my players through the years. I don't think they choke ever. When we, we've got game-winning field goals, I always tell them the same thing. Just kick the snot out of it. Just make sure you – when I hear it, I want to hear a freaking thump. And uh, you'd be shocked at how many of those field goals have gone in. Well, you've got an Australian punter, haven't you? And I'm sure if you talk like that to him, he will love that. <laughs> Lucas does love that, and he's really good at it. That guy is – he's made me look really smart a ton. and really big fan of Lucas Dean. I also had Michael Dickinson at University of Texas who knocked – punch for the Seattle Seahawks and they're both just fantastic fantastic young blokes as I was told they were called yeah we are that's very true I wanted to ask you coach trailer about the leadership council you have within the playing group I'd just really love to know how it's constructed and then how it works you know it's weird how I came across it a little bit I mean that's still common I'm not saying I invented it but when I fired myself from all those positions to just be the head coach, I didn't have any more kids I was hanging around anymore. And I didn't like that. I loved that relationship. And I thought, and I, I heard a man named Randy Allen in Highland Park talk about how they did it. And I said, I'm going to do that. And so I had a representative voted on from each room. So I got one quarterback, one tight end. Uh, one wide receiver, one O line, one tight end. I'm not going to bore you all the way through the all the, all the way through their group. And uh, so we had about ten or eleven, and we'd meet every Sunday night, and we'd just review the last week and what they thought about the upcoming week, and maybe what color uniform they wanted to wear, maybe the food they wanted to eat that week, maybe they, what they thought about practice. Were they too long? Were they too short? Where are we? What are y'all thinking? And I was trying to teach them. I, I'm a history teacher as well kind of how, uh, you know, a democracy works, you know, that you, you vote for a representative, the representatives, they meet, they vote, they make a decision, and law comes into place pretty much. I know it's a little more complicated than that, but it's a great teaching to kids of why it's important to go vote. This is your representative. This is their, and you need to communicate your representative so they can speak for you. It's just a good way to teach, you know, about life again. It's a great way for me to hang around my own kids. I got kind of my own group, and uh, and I get to hear from the team because they're they're empowered, and, and then they know it works uh, from the bottom up around here. There's such an interesting theme in your story, and it's around selecting the people you want to have around you. You've mentioned it already multiple times in this interview. You won the Big Twelve Recruiter of the Year twice. When you got to UTSA, you were very clear that you wanted to choose people from the local area. You've also been very uh, considered in the staff that you've uh, chosen to help implement your vision, both at Gilmer and now UTSA. I know that there's no algorithm for selecting people. I know it's difficult. But if someone wanted some top tips on picking people, surrounding themselves with people, who are good to work with, both in their communities and in their sports teams, what would you tell them? You know, don't, don't worry about winning the press conference. I mean, don't hire who everybody tells you you should hire. I mean, you're the only one that knows the job. You're the only one that knows what you want. Why are you listening to the local media? Why are you listening to the school board? Why are you listening to the superintendent? Why? why? You know, you know what you want. And it always blows my mind, these hires that look so great. I've got great people all around me. If they've got IQ and they're morally good people, 
I'm going to find a way to get them in my building. And uh, I say it all the time, that like-minded people surround themselves with like-minded people. And I want people that think the way I do. And uh, so we move up from within. Very, very few of our hires have been outside our building. They're all volunteers, GAs, analysts. We've all moved them up here. I did the same thing at Gelmer. I'm going to do the same thing here as long as they let me coach here. And uh, I'm just not into winning the press conference, Paul. I'm going to go with my gut. And uh, they love people. They love ball. And they're smart. I'm going to find a way to get them on my staff. And what about if they think a little bit differently from you? If they can challenge you? I've, I've, hired some, I've, I've hired a lot of weirdos, to be honest with you. I've got some guys that don't fit the part. Uh, they're just different. They're a little goofy. Uh, but I like people that are authentically real, feel good in their own skin. Don't try to win the press conference. They, they try to be true to who they are. And I've gambled on a lot of those guys, and, man, they've come through big for me before. And I tell them, too, I'm like, look, I might be the only person that would bet on you, but I'm betting on you, and they've been fantastic. And uh, I know I'm a little goofy. I get it. Uh, but thank God I've had, you know, Dr. Larry Bennett, Believed in me in 2000 at Gelmer, and then Rick Albright and followed him, and then President Taylor Amy here. I'm very grateful that someone uh, believed in someone that probably saw the world a little differently than most people did and, and gave my goofy self a chance. You talked about John Wooden earlier, and I know that he has a, a terrific definition of success as a coach. But how do you define success as a coach? I stole it straight from John. It's just a peace of mind knowing you did your very best. I mean, that's straight from John Wooden. And, you know, that's I don't I haven't had many losses in my career, but the ones that really bother me are the ones where I was not true to me and I might have reacted emotionally or didn't stick to the game plan, didn't trust the process. Uh those are the ones that bother me. Uh when you when you stay true and you just do your very best. I've lost games where I'm just as proud as when we win them and when I do it the right way and when our staff does it the right way and our players do. And that that's success to me. Well, you've coached all the way from the bottom to the top. You talked about coaching little league kids before. You've coached basketball. You've worked your way up through high school and through university to where you are today. And when these – when younger coaches come to you now for advice, I know that some of the people you've actually coached are now coaching themselves. When they come to you and they ask you for advice when they're starting out, what do you tell them? Uh, as corny as it sounds, and as against it as I was at a young age, you got to have a philosophy. And I just thought that was something you did to get a job. I didn't know you really had to have a philosophy. Uh, but you better know who you are and what you're about. Because uh, you're going to think you're going to get in this thing and call all these great plays, and it's just they're going to work. And it's it's the least important thing of all of it. So you better know who you are. And uh, don't try to be Jeff Trailer because the Lord only made one Jeff Trailer. Uh, you've got to be the very best version of you that you can be. And, and, and God gives us all kinds of hints. I mean, when I was trying to find my passion, what that was, I mean – and what my purpose was, I mean, it's, it's natural. I, mean, I, I tell my own three children, if you could do this job the rest of your life and you didn't care what you made and they didn't even pay you, would you still do it? 
And if you would, then chase that job till you just can't chase anymore. And uh, I was blessed that I've never worked a day in my life. This has been 33 years now. The players are by far the favorite part of my day. It's always the adults I don't like dealing with. I love dealing with the children. They're for 33 years. They've been the reason I come to work and I've made as little as $19,000 at big Sandy, Texas. And as much as I'm making today at UTSA and I still love the kids the same, Paul. No, it's a terrific answer. I think one final question, if I could coach trailer, and I'm going to preface it with another quote from you. And you say, a man gives to his church, a man gives to his family, a man gives to his city, a man gives to his school. A boy takes. They're not giving anything back. It's a great question. Yeah, it's just, it's a poem I was given back in the 90s by a man by the name of Dick Sheffield, uh, again, a mentor of mine. And it, basically the poem is, you know, my record as a football coach is, you know, it's, it's so many wins and so many losses, and it's pretty impressive. Uh, but that's not my real record. My real record is going to be when I'm dead and gone and how many of those guys decide to come to my funeral. I've been a head coach now 18 years, so about 30 seniors every class. So I've had the opportunity to influence about 550 boys. And uh, so what's a man to us? A man is if they were sitting at my funeral, are they are they now given to their church? Are they given to their families? Are they given to their country? Are they still taking? When you're a little boy, I mean, my dad didn't expect me to be providing food at the table or paying for anything for our government or paying for church or helping out anyway. You know, I was a boy. I mean, it was my dad's job to take care of me. But man, when you become someone that's responsible for people and you're the one taking care of them, well, then, then you're a man. And so my real record is going to be out of those 550. How many men out of how many boys? And uh, I hope all 550 of them are doing their best to take care of their people. And if they're doing that, then somewhere along the way, Paul, I hope I helped in that matter. It's not my responsibility. I understand it's their parents' responsibility, but it is my responsibility to help. It takes a village, and uh, I want to be someone that along the way helped that young boy become a man. I think of a better place to finish. Coach Trailer, it's been fantastic to spend this time with you today. I'm really thrilled we got the chance to connect. I'm looking forward to sharing your thoughts and ideas with a much broader audience, and I wish you all the best for what I hope will be another championship season. Paul, keep sending me those great Australian punters over here, and I'll keep winning a lot of football games. I appreciate you, Paul. God bless and birds up. Hi everyone, you've been listening to the great coach, Jeff Trailer. I hope you got a lot out of our discussion and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. When I listened back, the other key highlights for me were the routines he uses to try and stay fresh so he can be a good coach, a good husband and a good father. Wanting to leave a legacy of helping boys become men the unique and impactful way he brings the team's values to life with players and support staff. It's a terrific idea that I think could work in any organization. And his goal of wanting to alleviate the pressure from his players by focusing on their intention and efforts 
and not results when coaching them. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Nick Hurd, who said, Brilliant podcast by The Great Coaches Podcast with James Kerr. Reference this a lot in preparing for a session I'm delivering on hashtag vision, hashtag values, and hashtag strategy. Jeez, thanks, Nick. We love the interaction with the people around the world who listen. And so if you have any feedback or comments, then please let us know. And if they're positive ones, then please let your friends know too. All the details on how you can connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. 